to another exciting episode of Detecting the Marvelous. I'm Lainey LaRose here with your hosts, Matt Ardill and Dan Rosen. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. Yeah, good. Yeah. I've got my Kleenexes ready and everything, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you and our listeners are going to need them because today (laughs) we are tackling Superman all seasons. Are you guys excited? Very much so. This is like... This is everything I love about Superman in one com- mm-hmm. one series. Kind of. Same, yeah. Nice. Had you guys had you guys read Superman for all seasons before? Never, oh. no. Oh, cool! Oh, nice! Oh, interesting. Yeah, really excited to get into this. Cool. So, Matt, did you want to start us off with uh, some Superman knowledge? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Um, Born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and Toronto, Ontario, respectively. Uh, they were both children of Jewish immigrants um, and created the character that literally reinvigorated the superhero genre. It was a dying genre until Superman came along and uh, brought it back. And for Canadian comedy nerds, as well as comic nerds, um, jo- uh, Joe Schuster is the cousin of Frank Schuster, the Canadian comedy icon. As alluded to in the Heritage Minute, which I did not catch on to. That oh. that was that Frank. But he's like, oh, you should show it to your cousin Frank, the lady who clearly inspired Lois Lane. Right. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing those Heritage Minutes yeah. all the time. And I just, yeah, I was like, all right, Frank. Sure. Yeah, it's like, he knows a guy named Frank who's his cousin. I didn't. But then yeah. it's like, oh, Frank. Shoot. So technically, Superman is tied to Saturday Night Live because Rosie was... Frank's daughter was the wife and one of the first writers of Saturday Night Live. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the weird, tenuous connections (laughs) that I can make in my head to tie everything back to SNL. Um, Now, Superman was not the first superhero comic, but he was the cornerstone of the Trinity, Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman, which really ushered in a boom of superhero comics and shaped them to this day. much of the life of Clark is inspired by the lives of Jerry and Joe. The Daily Planet was originally the Daily Star, named after the Toronto Star, for which Joe was a paper boy, uh, and uh, also stole paper from during his early days as an artist. He would go into the print room and just take <laughs> scraps of paper uh, to draw art on. Um, Joe in the 1920s moved to Cleveland, where he met Jerry, forming a fast friendship. Uh, Jerry spoke of it saying, when Joe and I first met, it was like the right chemicals coming together. Nerdy kids who lived in science fiction, action and adventure movies and uh, and fiction bonded and collaborated on their first project, The Reign of Superman, in a self-published magazine, Science Fiction, produced by Siegel in what would now be called the fanzine. Um, This was a very different character from Superman that we know. Uh, First, there was a hyphen, uh, which was dropped due to a printing error. Basically, they were (laughs) in the staple fold, and then everybody just didn't see it. So away went the hyphen. That's Um, great. That printing error, I think, actually made it look much better. Yeah, yeah. It it flows better. Mm. Um, But yeah, and I mean, this is the first Superman was actually a villain uh, not a hero. And it was uh, published in 1933. It's more of a cautionary tale about the corruption of power. Interesting. But they liked the name and revisited it uh, for the version of the immigrant story that we all all know for the Superman in Action Comics number one in 1937. And thus a legend was born. Now, the Boy Scout in Blue, as he has often referred, uh, is a character that is problematic in some ways uh, over the years. Uh, he, like the rest of the Trinity, and problematic is a bit of a strong word. I'd say hard to write. I think that's more of what mm-hmm. I'm going for. He's a character that people struggle with. Because over the years, like the rest of the Trinity, they became archetypes, which opened them up to interpretation and allowed for 
different versions of the characters like Miller's dark interpretations of future Batman and Superman in the Dark Knight. Elseworld versions of where Superman is raped by Mexicans, uh, immigrants in Gods and Monsters or landed in Russia, uh, Mm -hmm. like in Red Sun. Uh, He was a character that many considered boring because he was so powerful. But at the same time, if he used correctly, could be a storytelling using that that power as a limitation instead of a, a it could really give you some of the most amazing stories like all star superman uh or the man who has everything or in this case superman for all seasons created by jeff Loeb, art by tim sale and lettering by richard starkings colors by bjorn hansen i think i said that right and joey cavallari not related to guy cavallari uh who's the original <laughs> character uh you know a standalone book most of jeff and tim's collaborations were these standalones they did some for dc and as well as marvel uh they uh create self-contained stories and in this case it was exploring the motivations of clark uh the challenge with exploring these characters is Loeb uh stated he didn't feel comfortable being in the heads of an icon um so the conceit he used as discussed uh, in an in interview for Superman through the ages in 2014 is each narrator would reflect a different element of his mm-hmm. character and how it inspired and impacted the world around him. Um, now Jeff was Jeff Loeb was born in 1958, began collecting comics in his teens and graduated with a bachelor of arts and masters in film. Uh, he had an active film and television writing career uh he worked on projects like commando and teen wolf not to mention lost uh as well as uh smallville which was directly inspired by uh this this comic in particular so this is the basis of of that comic or of that tv show excuse me um Lowe also produced the netflix marvel shows um there's takes around cultural identity of some of the characters were at best insensitive and uh, slightly disappointing, but that is a story for another day. <laughs> um, now, Tim Sale uh, was born in 1956, the son of a political activist and a literary critic. He grew up in Seattle, attending the University of Washington uh, before moving to New York uh, to attend the School of Visual Arts, as well as sign up for the workshop for comic book art or for comic artists run by Joe Buscema as advertised in the back of Marvel comic books. So those were not actually scams. They were literally real classes run by Marvel comic book (laughs) artists out of their homes, um, which is slightly disturbing. Uh, But (laughs) his, no, and you know, he's, he, Buscema worked on the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer and Thor and won pretty much all of the comic book awards there were to win. Um, now sales, uh, first book was myth adventures in 1983. And he quickly found, uh, work in the, in the comic thieves world, uh, having worked on multiple books, uh, he, his most noted collaborations were with Loeb, um, where they worked on multiple Batman, Catwoman, Hulk, Superman, Captain America, and of course, Superman, uh, in addition uh, to his work in comic books. He also did design work for television, designing much of the visual aesthetic of the show Heroes, uh, and won the Eisner Award uh, for Best Artist, Penciler, Inker, or Penciler, Inker Team uh, in 1999. Sadly, he passed away in 2022 to kidney failure, but his legacy lives on with many in the industry, uh, citing his influence including filmmakers like Christopher Nolan and Matt Reeves, who directly drew from his work to inspire their own adaptations. Oh, cool. That is, that is my, my history <laughs> lesson for the day. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to like the idea that, like, cause we worry about trusting, um, you know, master classes online. And back then it was like teenagers being like, all right, mom and dad, I'm going to go over to this strange man's house. I've never met before. And he's going to teach me how to yeah, draw. He- like, he dropped out of school on the West coast, moved to the East coast, enrolled in a different school just so he could sign up for this class that he got out of the back of a comic book, (laughs) which is like, 
that is a choice. I'm not sure I'd make it, but it was a yeah. different time. It was a different di- time, the 70s you know? were a, yeah. a different just time. <laughs> yeah. You just hitchhiked with a bindle the entire way. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Yeah, that's really cool to hear all that. Yeah, hear all that background. And it's, I mean, like, there's clearly a love um, that both Tim and Jeff brought mm-hmm. uh, to the project uh with with this so so, why did you choose it dan what what brought you to it so it's funny because like i remember like i just remember reading it and really loving it and so there was um i was trying to i wanted to do a um yeah one like a jeff love tim sale one and i hadn't chosen a dc one yet and we've done batman even though like my the long halloween was the first one i read and then I read the rest of their Batman stuff and just started reading lots of Batman. Then I discovered, you know, they had like Daredevil Yellow. And then I started getting super into Daredevil. And like that was, I think, my my second favorite Daredevil next to Inside and Out uh, or the Devil Inside and Out. And then I also started uh, yeah, like going through all their color ones. And then when I was like, there's got to be more like Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale stuff. And then I found Superman for all seasons. And there's one image I particularly remember which i think is from fall between superman and lex luther that i'll mention it when we get there but i also did not realize remember it being as emotional as it was i just remember it being like you know their brand and doing that same kind of daredevil yellow spider-man blue but about superman but then i think this is it's probably my favorite of those and it's my favorite superman and it yeah, it got me reading All Star Superman and Red Sun and all those others that you mentioned, and so I think it is like that. Like this is the best sh- way to write Superman because it shows how powerful, like his strengths and his weaknesses, and like you can easily see the inspiration for Smallville as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also wanted to do it like it's always one of those ones like it's like it's got a Canadian connection, uh, and it's also. Well, those ones, it's funny because some people, they always say like he's based off of Jesus, but he's actually inspired by Moses because he's like oh. put in this intergalactic blanket and instead of it in the river, he's mm-hmm. put into space. Yeah, and the river of happens. stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the like Nile River of the stars of the galaxy. And then just like ends up, you know, happens to end up with two people who will like, we don't have kids, but we'll raise him as our own. Uh, and so it's just, yeah, I think it's a really great story, uh, sort of how he, yeah, just sort of, it really shows just like when people say, oh, Superman's a boring character. It's like, oh, with the right writers, he's like the best character. For sure. And I know Matt, you mentioned, and I mentioned in our first episode, how much Superman like really influenced, um, well, you mentioned that he was your favorite character, comic book character, I believe at the time. And he definitely... Clark Kent and Superman definitely influenced like my career choices and everything. So like, I'm so excited to get into this, uh, into this issue because like this, like you said, this is a really, really great run to read that really depicts everything. But so are you okay telling us a little bit, giving us a little synopsis for. Yeah, for sure. No, it's great to know. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how influential it's one of those things where I think I don't realize how influential Superman is in that way. So again, so it's nicely done into four chapters of each season. Uh, and it's interesting because it brings, starts off with spring, which is often like new beginnings um, and ends in winter, which is usually like the more darker time. As we see now that uh, daylight savings time has come and the sun sets at like 4.30 p.m. But I <laughs> thought, uh, yeah, so I thought it was an interesting choice the way it does. Uh, so the spring chapter begins with like Pa Kent narrating. Um, and it's done in a really nice sort of like with like, you know, lowercase and punctuation. So it's not all block capital letters. And he's narrating about, you know, Superman's arrival while a teenage Clark helps out on the farm. And it's interesting because you see like Clark lifts up a big boulder being like, here, where do you want me to put it, Pa? And like, <laughs> I think that is kind of like, hmm. <laughs> um, and like, you know, Lana and Aunt Ruth come over and. Uh, Lana is very much, Lana Lang is very much set up as kind of like, you know, the girl next door who Superman's going to marry one day. And it's all very like 
Norman Rockwell painting style, both in like the visuals and in kind of like this very quaint but loving scenario that's set up. Um, you know, and Jonathan and Martha, they're talking about Clark's growing limitless powers. And like they're, you know, Jonathan's a little more worried, like, because it's a lot for him, Clark to have on his shoulders. And they don't realize Clark's, of course, listening in because that's just how strong his powers are. And he's really feeling the weight on his shoulders of like the world while still showing him being a real teen. Like he's awkward with Lana and he's like, you know, he all of a sudden gets really concerned. He's going to miss his haircut appointment and like <laughs> stuff like that, which is like, you know, the most, not necessarily like one of the most frivolous things, but it's just like, you know, all these things are super huge for him. And like, he's getting so strong that like even his hair cuts the scissors. Like, uh, <laughs> and they never address how he gets a haircut. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, like true. yeah. Like how does he not eventually just have like, you know, like long hippie hair? Does he like, laserize it like bounce the like, lasers off of a mirror like <laughs> that's that. I, I, I mean i can actually answer that because there was that time he was lost in space and he grew a big beard and long hippie hair and mm-hmm. then he's like oh i got i i'm ready to go home and he like looked at a crystal that was reflective and l- lasered off with his heat vision so that's how he does it because it was so it's heat? exactly yeah. how he did it so, oh, so I guess that's something Clark must pick up pretty early because he can't get a haircut now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like he's like, oh, you know, you're going through 18 and your hair becomes so stiff that like, yeah, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you see this like boy with like unlimited power, but he's scared to grow up. And then a tornado hits and devastates the town. And I think what's cool is this is very easy to be like the like uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel moment where like, you know, oh, if only I'd saved my dad or something like that. But it doesn't become that. He realizes just by like he saves someone from the storm and realizes, oh, he could have done more to like, you know, avoid the destruction and stop the hurricane and stuff like or stop the tornado. And so, uh, you know, he starts realizing, oh, I need to do more to help. And I think this is where also there's a bit of uh, a Jewish influence. So one of the main commandments in like Judaism religion is tikkun olam, meaning heal the world. And mm-hmm. so it's actually like in the like Torah and the Talmud, it's like it's a Jewish person's duty to do their best to make the world a better place. Um, and so, you know, when we see really horrific things going on in the world, orchestrated by the Lex Luthers of the world, that's when, you know, and when like at the back of our minds, we're like, oh, praying for Superman to come save us. That's kind of where you need to do your best to become a Superman and to do it. Now, obviously, there's, you know, Jeff Bezos and all others who are (laughs) Jewish people who end up becoming more Lex Luthor than Superman, of course. But, you know, that's what sort of how uh, the Jewish religious background, I can see coming into this Superman's uh, idealism so clark graduates and then shows lana that he can fly and tells her that he has to figure out how he can use his powers to help as many people as possible i thought this is a great moment because you really see like lana really takes it in as like oh this is you know like clark kind of telling her what's on her mind and it really means a lot uh and then she tells him that he'll have to leave smallville and he says you know like i'm gonna come back don't worry i'll come back and she kisses him uh, and it's really neat because this is where actually instead of Lois Lane being the usual like love interest, it really is just like Lana Lang is the love interest here throughout the story. Um, and so then his parents realize they've raised him right and they'll always enjoy their simple, happy life in Smallville. I think, Matt, you were talking to me about, you know, when you see them, like Jonathan Kent looking out at the sunrise and saying, you know, like, you know, like mighty nice sunrise, I'll just or sunset. You know, like I'll enjoy it here. Um, and like it's one of those things you like. Even just talking about that stuff, I'm like, oh, I can feel the tears coming. Um, <laughs> like it really is. Like I'm like, oh, I promised myself I wouldn't cry on the podcast. <laughs> but for sure. Uh, and so, and one thing that's like a great, I think, a real testament to the Tim Sale's art and Jeff Loeb's writing is that. None of this, like a lot of the subtext isn't outrightly said. It's much more in the drawing, you know, the way people look at each other, the looks on their faces, and then the subtext and what the dialogue really means, what, you know, Jonathan Kent is really saying to Clark and so on. 
Um, so Clark moves to Toronto. I mean, Metropolis <laughs> to work at <laughs> Toronto Star. I mean, the Daily Planet. Um, <laughs> and so, and again, like really great economy of writing. So in one page, they set up Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, uh, and Clark's both rivalry and affection for Lois Lane. Um, and also in a few panels, setting up Lois and just, just as uh, she's like an independent, clever reporter, you know, who she knows Perry wants Superman stories, but she also knows that Luther, she can get a good uh, story from Luther and meets with him and, you know, charms him to get her interview, but doesn't let him get too close to her. So she's not biased and is able to like exit his presence by like, ooh, there goes your hat. Time for me to skedaddle kind of thing, which I thought was like, that was like really great writing. You already see like all the like key elements of Lois's personality all like within those first two pages that you see her. Um, and then you see like a nice little touch. Luther's like taking in oxygen while watching Superman fly away and that ends spring. So like, that's kind of the first ominous tone of what's going on. Summer starts with Lois spelling out the conundrum of Superman. So now Lois is narrating. Uh, and so like in a world where people constantly do horrible things to each other, how has someone with absolute power not corrupted absolutely? And like, how can you trust that? You know, like it's that kind of suspicion that like, you know, Lex Luthor really acts on. You see him going to Metropolis Air Base and Superman flies by holding an enemy submarine. Probably the only part where it's, I mean, it's, 1998 so i guess this was on people's mind but like the terrorists uh in the like submarine like are i think vague like it's not mentioned but maybe vaguely coded as middle eastern um but so that's the one like maybe possibly problematic part uh but like lois so lois lane is also snuck on board to get a story and then the head terrorist it seems holds her at gunpoint and luther tries to negotiate and superman just like super fast, grabs the gun, crushes it, and Lois beats the guy up in a really cool way. Um, and Superman mentions that LexCorp's logo is one of the submarine's weapons. And then Luther replies in, like, full Trump mode. Like, he's like, oh, like, that's slander. Like, this is, like, fake news, Superman. <laughs> like, I'd say, like, for 1998, Luther seems so much like 2016 to present-day Donald Trump Jr. Like, So true, yeah. It, like, I thought, like, I think... I always feel like Lex Luthor and Annihilus from Fantastic Four are the two most like Trump-like villains in comic books. Like Annihilus is always like, I am the greatest. No one's better than me. And like <laughs> Luthor is more like the like political side of uh, Donald Trump. Uh, but, so they very much like, I feel like there's a lot of Trumpian uh, sort of vibes to Luthor, but maybe I'm, it's only because now I'm reading it 25 years later in retrospect. Um, so then, yeah, Superman flies Lois back to her office and you can see she's like resisting an attraction to Superman and then immediately teasing Clark, calling him Smallville and which is also part of like Clark's great way of fitting in by pretending to be just sort of like, Ooh, oh, me? What are, what are you up to, Lois? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great misdirect where Lois talks about Superman slipping off to a forest fortress of solitude. And he kind of is, even though he has, you know, in the future, he does have his Fortress of Solitude. But back then at this point, it's actually just Clark uh, visiting his parents for dinner is his Fortress of Solitude. And so he like goes around town, catches up, finds out that Lana's left and she's always traveling and seeing the world. Um, And then a lab fire breaks out and LexCorp sends her guardians of the city um, to save it. So he's got like, what he thinks is supposed to be the superheroes of the town, but they can't see that there's a woman passed out inside the building. So Superman comes, brushes them aside for, you know, not properly assessing the situation and saves the woman and puts up the fire. And then this uh, chapter ends where Lex Luthor visits the woman, Jenny Vaughn. And you can see she's got this shrine, like almost like a religious shrine to Superman in her, but there's like an ominous, view of what Lex Luthor is up to again. Uh, so then now fall starts with Luther, Luther being arrested and he's narrating. And this is the one where they change it to capital block letters. And so it's like a different mm-hmm. style and it's very like cold, almost like the way it's done. So it does seem like it's a, like I thought it was a really great choice just for like the lettering alone is also really good in this. 
Um, and so Luther gets out after a night of prison uh, and he's like flown home in his company helicopter. And again, I'd say looking more like Trump than ever, but at least Lex can admit that he's bald. Um, and then <laughs> uh, Superman shows up. He does comb over for a very long time, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he does have a comb over. But yeah, like he doesn't have his like fake plugs in and all that. Um, but yeah, so Superman show, uh, shows up outside of Lex's office and Luther lectures him about stuff. And then uh, you see he visits Jenny Vaughn, who's basically being clockwork oranged by Lex Luthor. Um, in a very like sort of way where you're not sure what he's still up to yet. And so Clark comes into his office and he catches Lois looking at a letter that he's writing to his parents. Um, where you also re- I realized then that there are three main characters with the initials LL, Lana Lang, Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor. Um, there are, there are actually additional ones if you go beyond this comic as well. Lorelai uh, Lemire, oh, his, his mermaid girlfriend. And then oh, wow. he's also got a girlfriend from an alternate timeline when he accidentally traveled back in time to Krypton, who is a uh, who is a, a Kryptonian actress who he dated briefly. Well, which is like wow. your planet's going to explode. Why are you dating? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a running theme, uh, and which is kind of funny, which is even like Lois is like, how many people do you know with the initials LL? Yeah, it's like, yes, several. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, like, because like, I was like, there must have been like either Jerry Siegel or like, yeah, like, or yeah, like Joe Schuster must have had like some ex or something like that, that they had like a, you know, love-hate relationship with or something. His initials were LL. Yeah, like Stan Lee yeah. or or um, uh, Robert Heinlein. Every attractive female love interest was a redhead. They were married. Right, to eh? Interesting. So yeah, yeah. The, the, a lot of comic book writers are not very subtle in their self inserts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's like the one that got away. I'll make her in every comic book. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. Um, so there you go. Uh, there's lots of LLs. Um, so then, yeah, so then all of a sudden, while like she's snooping, uh, in Clark's office and he confronts her, then everyone at the Daily Planet collapses and turns out the entire city's infected. Superman talks to a doctor, I think at Star Labs, about the virus and she suggests checking with Luther, who isn't affected, um, because he's got his like quarantined office. And also, it's, I think, fairly obvious without even saying it that like Luther caused the virus uh you know i don't think there's any ifs ands and buts he just has plausible deniability uh but he and he very suggestively suggests that superman spread the virus because like how do we know you didn't bring it to our planet you know (laughs) everyone which is like i mean again this is one very trump uh but two it's also like it's very clever and it shows how like this really is like luther being like a master sort of like almost like a chess master with how he works against Superman. Cause he knows Superman can easily physically defeat him, but he is like just so smart and clever that which really is what makes him like, you know, the ultimate villain to the ultimate superhero. Uh, and I think because we can look at like actual real life Lex Luthor examples, like also makes him relatable in that like, yeah, there are people who are like this, who, you know, who will like sell weapons to the enemies and then also sell like, you know, the defense systems to defend against, you know, like enemies and stuff like that. So, uh, anyhow, so Superman has no choice, but to ask him for help. And so he introduces Superman to Jenny Vaughn, who's now going by toxin. Who's like, sort of basically been like deluded, almost like brainwashed into thinking she's a superhero as the one with the antidote. And she sprays it into the clouds and the antidote rains down and cures the city but then Jenny dies in Superman's arms as they return to Lex's corp, um, <clears throat> showing that, like, you know, Superman, yeah, like, you know, you can't save everyone. You can't, you know, you don't know what it's like to be human and to be infallible and to, you know, have the same weaknesses that every other human does. Uh, and this is the part that I remember the most, where you see Luther standing over a Superman who feels helpless and lecturing him about the fragility of the human condition and, really like twisting the knife in the wound of 
Clark's loneliness. Like, really being it, because Clark is, like, he does feel alone as being, like, you know, not being able to relate to other people. Um, and so it, he returns to his parents in Smallville, tail between his legs, end of this chapter of fall. And then winter begins, narrated by Lana Lang, and it's back to the more human letter writing style for the narrating captions. Lana talks about she how she and Clark had so much in common, and she expected them to get married and have lots of kids. While well, we see that LexCorp now controls Metropolis with its guardians of the city, like there's this little boy playing, and the guardian comes and is like, it's dangerous out here, get back home kind of thing. Like, <laughs> even though the boy's just playing around in the snow. Um, and you see Luther watching from his tower satisfied. Like, it's very, like, one of those, like, it's become this, like, dystopian, like, almost like authoritarian future, so to speak. Uh, and so Lana talks about when Clark flew her up above the town, while Lois snoops around Clark's desk, entertaining the idea that he might be Superman, but then thinking, ah, that's the stupidest thing ever. Um, which I guess shows how good Clark is as an actor at, like, you know, pretending to be, you know, a normal person. Um, and then, uh, Clark and Lana, they go for a walk in the snow and chat. They make snow angels. They, uh, meet up with their childhood friend, Pete, who then lectures them for leaving, uh, and then just dropping back into town whenever they want, which like, I mean, I feel like is a little harsh. Like Pete wanted to leave. He probably could have left if he wanted to. Um, but still you can see like how he's like, they've both distanced themselves from the town they grew up. Uh, Lana has dinner at the Clark's and a flood comes in and Clark has come to his limitations that he had, that he has, but maybe, and that responsibly might be more than, you know, he knows how to handle. And there's like a great metaphor from his dad, uh, where again, this is definitely one of the moments where like, I was like tearing up and crying again, where he talks about how he's like, you know, first time I was a farmer, you know, that like. I think he like he's like I won the like you know had the best harvest ever. I thought it was always going to be like this a great harvest, and then the next year things went bad, and then I you know over time I learned how to account for stuff, and I became a pretty good farmer. Whole oh, home, uh, and it's like a very poignant. Um, and then the next day the flood hits hard. Superman goes out to take care of everyone in town. Um, his parents and Lana get hit by the flood while driving, and he rescues them. And you can see. Clark rediscovering why he needs to be Superman, not just for the world, but also just for himself as well. Um, and it's, I think, this is why I think this comic, this graphic novel is the perfect iteration of Superman is because it's not like him, you know, carrying an enemy submarine of the sea or anything like that, but just like pulling his father and his dog out of the flood flooding waters in, in his like small town like that's how he realizes like you know this big grander like do whatever i can to save the world thing um and so he returns to metropolis with a front page story about superman saving smallville and lois is jealous in a very like comedic sort of almost uh <clears throat> like almost like an old time like sort of katherine hepburn sort of like uh, uh what's his name uh, Catherine Hepburn, like Cary Grant, kind of way, almost like, how do you get this story? See, like that's kind of the vibe that Lois <laughs> yeah. has there. Um, and then you see the same small boy from the beginning of winter. He's playing on a ledge and he falls, and one of the guardians of the city sees it. But Superman is the one who's able to swoop in to save the boy. And he tells the guardians to let Lex Luthor know he's back, which Lex sees from his tower, and is kind of like, someday, Superman. Uh, and then Superman flies off ready to protect the city again. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff that I've said before, I think Grant Morrison's all-star Superman is the other one that comes close to, I think being the iconic Superman story. And it's one of these things where you can almost hear, like, I could hear like Aaron Copeland's like Appalachian suite and his music playing while reading it. You know, if you hear the, he got game soundtrack, it's like that kind of music, or it's almost like if, what if Richard Linklater made a Superman movie, like where it's sort of very much focused on like a down to earth human element. There's no like really big, like the climax of the story isn't the infection or, you know, some big, like the world at risk moment. It's just like all very well contained. Um, And I think it's, 
probably hitting me a lot more emotionally now that I have a three-year-old son and being like, I hope my little Superman doesn't have to face all these worries <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, anyhow, yeah, it was great. 10 of 10, no notes. Um, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I thought Friday, it was, like... it was better than cats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's what I loved about it is it's literally the opposite message of the Snyder Superman. Yeah, it's like yeah. it is everything. It's it's putting down is basically the counterpoint to all of that. Um, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's like yeah, like this is this is this is a a couple of writers who get Superman, get what mm-hmm. makes him Superman, and it's like so. Well, I didn't think it. I mean. You know, being raised Anglican, you know, Moses didn't 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 come in the top ten, isn't as high in the top ten list of of Bible <laughs> characters. Yeah. <laughs> and but not, like when you pointed out, no, that makes much more sense. And even the message, um, because he goes like, there's the same kind of techniques used that I found interesting. Like Snyder tries to do the same thing, and he has has Clark talking to a minister, and he comes away thinking that like, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm a god. I am this superman. Um, but you have that conversation with the minister in the first book after the after the hurricane, mm. and it really hammers home. No, he's Moses, like you said. He's he's superman, not superman, but superman. He's a man who has a job to make the world a better place, mm-hmm. and and that is the path that you know God laid out for all of us is to do good in this world. And if you have a chance. You do what you can do. For sure. And it's like, and I, yeah. I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, and I can also see like the Jesus par- like parallels as well, like being that sure, yeah. for sure as well. Yeah. No, I agree. I love that. Like this was a very, like the main conflict was very human. It wasn't like a, mm-hmm. like supernatural conflict and um, going to the point of like having the narration being done by like, for people who have their own close relationship with Superman in their own way. It was so wonderful. Like Lana's whole narration just like really hit home because I've been in those situations where like, um, where like say I want to do something for, to help or whatever, but like people closest to me actually have real feelings about it. When she, when they like, when uh, Clark, lifts her up and flies her it wasn't like a like stereotypical oh cool you can fly oh go save the world she had real feelings about Mm. one being tossed up into the air with no control and then two like her whole life her whole plan just like went up in flames within this one Mm. moment right and she talks about that and how angry she was and why that's why she left smallville and it was just such a touching moment in that in that in that part of the issue and yeah like same with um, with Clark's love for his dad was shown in that narration, and even like Lex's conversation, like you didn't feel for Lex, but you you sort of understood where he was coming from. And this is right. weird because this was a more Trumpyish Lex than I'm used to. Like I'm used to like John Cryer, Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor, who are like they have like they still have like that role to play, but like you you feel for them you kind of have a little bit you, know, you kind of understand where they're coming from but you're still rooting for superman to win that in the end mm. or this where you're just kind of you're it was just a cool contrast to to those versions which i really yeah. like too but i think like you were like you were saying you can kind of you can still i think like you can understand what lex the point that lex luther is making is like you know like you're yeah. not like us you're too dangerous because you know you're like the unknown and because like you're all powerful and that is one of the things like, you know, that like red sun and others explore, like, you know, what if, or like Hyperion in the um, Supreme squadron uh, comics that Marvel did, where it's like, well, what if like Superman, you know, if he's pissed off or whatever, like, you know, think of what he could mm-hmm. do. He could just like blow up Metropolis if he wanted to and stuff like For that. For sure. You see that in other issues, and but this one felt more like, 
Lex's main concern was like this was his city first and then Superman's coming in to save everything and like he's no longer like the person everybody likes anymore and like I love the line where he's talking about I think it was the sub being like you're not going to clean this up you're going to make us taxpayers do this for you kind of thing (laughs) yeah 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 sorry go ahead and also Lana like there's a line where Lana's talking about like working a grave shift and her, her and um, Jimmy Olsen trying to figure out how much Lex is worth. And they say like $150 a second is what he makes. So they're like, so we put it in another way. If he saw a hundred dollar bill on the ground, it would not be worth his time to like pick it up. So like, it was like also like future life goals for me <laughs> right <laughs> in that second. <laughs> But yeah, like, this was a more capitalistic, like, not saying Lex isn't capitalistic in other issues, but it just felt more prominent in in this version. For sure. I think, yeah, like, it's really, like, written in there. Um, Especially with, like, yeah, the fact that it's, like, Lex Corp, like, missiles on the sub and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I loved how they gave these characters depth. Like you're saying, like Luthor, you can identify, you may, you may not necessarily agree or you may think, oh, what you're saying makes sense, but it's misguided kind of thing. Like you can see the not only that, it's like just from the character design and everything, like the big 1950s suits on 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 Superman, like those like the big <laughs> billowy pants, um, but also the stuff like like the way they handled Lois impressed me the most because it's mm. so like Golden Age Lois is a nightmare like she's a horrible human being only interested mm-hmm. in, in in tying down superman and getting him to marry her yeah. he, she's like just it's just and like it gets worse and worse through the silver age and then they finally dial it back in the bronze age with her but this sort of like took the best elements like gave her sort of a a, a noir kind of femme fatale kind of vibe she was smart she was on the ball she was witty it's interesting how they drew her compared to because she's in kind of an anachronism, like the skirt she wears. She's wearing a mini skirt kind of set in the fifties, forties. That, that really wasn't a thing in mm. that sort of, it's an ambiguous time period. It's like yeah. Norman Watt rock. So, but it's like, she's like wearing a vest without a shirt underneath and stuff like, like, but she's never treated as an object. She has more agency in this book. I feel than she has in a lot of books where she's being the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they treat everyone with respect in, in these books, which, you know, is, is refreshing. Nobody is like a yeah. side character. Nobody's like, uh, you know, just nobody, everybody has a purpose. And that purpose is kind of helps define Superman because his, his purpose is to help others. You know, like for me, the very last couple of panels, like when he's like on the rock petting Shelby, yeah, you know, his dog. It's just like, yeah, yeah he's still a boy. He's mm. still just a, a young man who's fresh out of home, you know, away from home for a few years, and he's just figuring it out. And, yeah. and it, it took coming full circle, saving saving the gas station attendant, and then saving his dad and his dog. That was his full circle moment. And it's like, okay, he he understands he needs to be smart because it's not always going to be something he can punch his way through, yeah. but he needs to stay true to himself. For and sure. Um, and yeah, and like the fact that like also the forces of nature and, and in a way, even though the Lex is, is like a created by Lex, but like the three things that like he struggles to fight here are like a tornado a virus and a um and a flood three things that he can't like you know he can't punch or laser beam them with his eyes or anything like that to, to get a little mosesy for a second let's just think of what happened in egypt <laughs> right <laughs> you know, right like it, the literally what ha- what god inflicted upon the egyptians <laughs> that's true yeah that's true right so there's yeah. i mean and i what i mean i don't know if that was like on their minds when they're creating it but that's interesting i hadn't even thought of that <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah i mean it probably they're just all like forces of nature so I mean, yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure but yeah like the fact that it's like forces of nature um and i think like because the relationship with nature where they're like because um the way i think the town like priest or pastor 
I think he's a really great character because the way he talks about how, you know, like, no nature, like, you know, nature, they'll, like, sometimes it's good for you. Sometimes they, there's a bad thing, but like, you know, it provides and then we have to, you know, we figure out how to deal with it and have our relationship with it. And, you know, just like, thank God no one died this time, even though we lost our homes, but we'll all work together. And I think like that stuff is really poignant when he's giving that speech at the end and everyone's, you know, holding their candles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that I found interesting, I mean, we're, you know, we all grew up in Canada, so mm-hmm. we have a different take on America. Um, but like, you know, Jerry grew up in, in Ohio. My grandparents lived in Ohio, so I would go down and visit. And my, my grandparents actually lived in the town that um, the writer of Calvin and Hobbes lived in, oh, which wow. was the basis of Calvin and Hobbes, like is all about his youth growing up there. And mm-hmm. it's very small. Farms. It was like very much, you know, the corner bookshop, the malt shop, like, you know, it was just, it had that vibe. And I think, you know, they treat Smallville as much of a, of, as much as, as much of a character as they treat Metropolis and Lois and, and, mm-hmm. and all of Perry and all of these other characters because Metropolis and Metropolis and Smallville are characters in that they inform Superman too. They're kind of like Lux is like, this is a love story between a man and a city. Mm. And the, it very much mirrors his leaving Lana. Smallville is land is sort of like Lana and going to Metropolis and Lois and Metropolis are kind of parallels there. You know, Metropolis is the pseudo modern, like ultra modern fantasy ish kind of art deco, beautiful place. And Smallville is just very simple. Like, you know, you got the corner shop where you go in and you get a malt and they know your name and there's the old men in the corner playing a card game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, no, it's an America that we we all wish was more real than it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's the dream of what we wish small town life could be like. Um, and I think that's it's the it speaks to the aspirational element of Superman. You know, like yeah. like how we wish we lived in a world where it was like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a 1950s World Fair. And be like, this is going to be the future, and then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it turns out no, it's uh, yeah, much more corrupted and in shambles. But you know, we'll we'll keep striving for it. <laughs> I mean, one last thing I wanted to mention is like, did you catch like there's a lot of imagery, especially around Lex, that mirrors that. Um, yeah. the reign of superman oh uh, Super no dash man like so there's only one image but it's got like this bald guy with like this cackling look in that there's these tight close-ups of the eyes which okay. very much mirror that image which uh-huh. is an interest i'm not sure if it was like because those the eyes when they illustrate luthor are so expressive mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but it's sort of it's like I feel it feels to me like a callback to that. That'll I could see that. Being. I think Tim Tim Sale seems to be pretty savvy to do so, so I wouldn't be surprised. I have to say, I am now obsessed with Tim Sale after this run. Like mm-hmm. I started reading this on a digital copy, and the artwork got me so much that I actually went and bought like the paperback trade. After. Oh, cool! Like, nice. I have to keep it. Like yeah, yeah, just like everything. It's just like almost every panel could be just like framed as a piece of art in itself. Oh, yeah. It's just so beautiful to look at. And like, like you said, like a lot of what makes this great is not the words on the page, but the subtext. And a lot of that is in the artwork too. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Cool. I, I do wish we could spend more time in this world. because It's just such a beautiful story. They did revisit it yeah. like I think two or three more times. Um, a couple of short stories, like one where Batman and Superman meet and, the one that I really want to track down is they did the prom night, you know, the, in the start of the book, there's the pictures of Clark growing up oh, and then him yeah. in the prom yeah. night with, with Lana. So there's a comic book that is that prom night. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, I gotta go back and find that. Cause that, that just seems wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Overall, this was just a great pick. I think like, especially like, 
2023 when it feels like everything is on fire like the mm-hmm. overall theme here of like you can't do everything but do what you can like just really hit home in such a meaningful way reading this absolutely i think that's why i got like so emotional like it was just sort of after like you know scrolling through so many like horribly sad instagram posts and all stuff like that and then just reading this i was like oh i was like a breath of fresh air Well, uh, anything else you guys want to share before we wrap things up? No, uh, yeah. No, Thanks for it. I'm glad you guys enjoyed this. Is like, I think the first time I've read a comic book, like a quintessential comic that Matt hasn't read before. Like, I feel like anytime <laughs> I, I'll find something that I'm like, oh, this is going to be so obscure. And then Matt's like, oh, yeah, I remember the first time I read that. And I was like, what? <laughs> Uh, you, you, you got me and I, I learned something new and that's what, one of the best parts of doing this is we all have our different takes and it's, uh, for sure yeah. yeah that's right yeah I've, I've been introduced to so much new already in just the first few episodes which has been great mm-hmm. alright well thanks for listening everybody we're, we're up uh, up and away out of here but uh, you guys all mm-hmm. have a great day Woo. up and at them <laughs> <laughs> listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and ShowbizMonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Lainey LaRose, and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchamp. And art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!